strange topic today that the Lord has put in my spirit, and uh, maybe it's just for me, and I'll let you listen, but uh, the message is about torment. I said it's about torment and perfection and perfection, torment and perfection. You know, I think the enemy torments us and we don't even recognize it because he's faithful (laughs) to harass us. But any time that we're stressed or have anxieties or fear, certain things that come upon us, is a torment sent from the enemy to dissuade us and to deter us and to take us out of the power of God's presence. So I want to talk about that today. I guess I want to ask a question if anybody's experienced torment. So I want to be for sure that um, the message is available to you. You can be tormented in sickness. You can be tormented in financial stress. You can be tormented in family issues. You can be uh, tormented in uh, your job, you know, just the responsibilities, people that you work with that harass you. The enemy has all sorts of ways to torment the saints of God and to, to, to defeat us. And we know that we're living in an hour and a day when the works of darkness are more powerful than they've ever been and they are wedged as a warfare against the saints of God. So it's about torment, but it's about perfection. And it's, it's, it's to strengthen us in the times of stress and struggle. In one of Jesus' travels, and we just read it in the devotional this morning, a man came to Jesus in Matthew 8 and he said, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. From that, I learned that sickness is a torment. And it's not just a torment, but it's a grievous thing. Those of us who have suffered with arthritis, it's grievous, you know, that we can't walk. People have difficulties uh, in their health, and it's a grievous thing. And that is a torment sent from the enemy to harass us, to deter us from the power and the presence that God has for us. So Jesus asked this man, Jesus said, Jesus talked to him, and the man said, you know, just speak the word only. He says, I'm in charge of all my people, and I just tell my people what to do, and my people do what I tell them to do. And he said, so I believe that if you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed. And as you read that passage of Scripture, you see that Jesus marveled at this man's faith. And we say this all the time to one another. We say, I'll pray for you. We say, the word of God is our strength. I cannot tell the church this enough this morning, that we need the power of the word of God in us to defeat the works of darkness and to make warfare against the battle that's in our earth today. Now, this battle is going to heat up, church. As we come to the elections and all those things, this battle is going to heat up All we ever see before us on the telly is sickness, disease, germs, 
talk to your doctor, and then when they get done with that, we start hearing all the governmental things that's going on. So the world is filled with filth and torment. And I'm here today to tell you that the Jesus looked at this man and he said he marveled because he had such faith. And the man said, just speak the word. And church, that's what we need to do today. We need to have the power and the anointing of the Word of God in us that when the enemy comes against us and we start to struggle, and I understand struggle, and I'm sure that every one of you do too, that in the midst of our struggle, if we didn't have Jesus, where would we go? If we didn't serve Him, what would we do? You know, who would we cry unto if we didn't have Him? And Jesus marveled and He said, Go thy way, thou hast believed. And so he, he did it. And the Bible says that his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Two things that we need to defeat the enemy in our torment. And that is, first of all, to know the word of God, speak the word of God, and then to believe in Jesus, that he is more powerful than the works of darkness. Bearing in mind that Jesus is ready to dispel the torment. You know, why, why was there such a great need in this servant? He knew that Jesus was the word. And he said, if you speak the word, I will be healed. We need only to speak the word of God. You know, what happens in Christianity today is we need a shaking in our spirit. We need a... a, a a monumental movement in us because the church of Jesus Christ is lax. We're lax in the church at large is lax in everything. We have to have screens. We have to have uh, bulletins. We have to have all these things because we need to be entertained. I want to say something. There was no entertainment when Jesus hung on the cross. There was no entertainment when he went into the bowels of hell and he took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And church, we are in a warfare. Talk about putting on the armor of God. This is the hour to do it because we are in a warfare. And if it were not for Jesus, we would all just fail because of the power and the works of darkness. But Christ is the light and he's more powerful. So what about this torment? You know, uh, we need only to speak the word and believe the word that we speak. And you know why God allows this torment? God does not bring the torment. He allows the torment. How many know about the book of Job? And Job was tormented on every side. Do you ever feel that way? I mean, it's usually more than one thing that comes against us. But the end, Job was blessed. And at the end, Job was perfected. If you read the whole book of Job, you'll see how his friends warred with him and how God warred with him. And all of those circumstances went on in the whole book of Job. And at the end, he he relented, he prayed, he blessed the ones who cursed him, and he made a sacrifice unto God, and God blessed him. I want to say to the church this morning that the end of your torment is the blessing and the perfection of God. 
I know it's not a message that feels good, but I got to tell you something, church. It is a glorious day when, when we can be called the saints of God and the friend of God. And this is our day. We are saints of God. We are friends of God. And, and while we look around us and we see the signs of the time, the fires, the earthquakes, the devastation, we see this, the, that in our day there is hate spewed out on every corner of violence I have never seen. Such violence in our earth. We know that in the midst of that, no weapon that's formed against the church of Jesus Christ is going to prosper. They may try to put us down. They may put laws against Christianity. They may do those things. But no weapon that they do will prosper because we are more powerful than the torment of the wicked one. We see hate in our land, huge quantities of hate. And I want to show you this passage of Scripture that blessed me this week. And I want us to focus on the power of a mighty God. I don't want us to focus on, on, on the torment and the things that the enemy does to harass us. You know, he can take the tiniest little thing and just stick, 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 stick. Until we worry and fret and stew. And all the time Jesus is standing in there saying, what about me? You know, I took the thorns in my brow for you, and you are more than conqueror in my blood. And I want us to see that today. Joshua 23:14. I'm always praying for a Joshua. I'm always saying, God, will you send us a Joshua, someone with strength, someone with power, someone that will upgird us, hold up our arms, someone that can be prepared to take the power of the message of Jesus Christ in this house to another level. And Joshua 23, 14, he spoke these words, and they're from God. He says, Behold this day, I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. I want to read that again. He said, You know in all your heart, in all your soul, that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. He's speaking to Israel there being naughty again. And he's speaking to them again. And he might as well speak to us because Christianity is being naughty. Christianity needs to repent and stand strong in power and holiness and victory. And he said, and, and he said, not one thing has God failed you. All are come to pass unto you and hath not one thing failed thereof. Now, what is the good thing, church? Is it wealth? What, what is the good thing? The good thing is Jesus. The good thing is redemption. The good thing is a Savior. The good thing is that He's coming soon. The good thing is that we have eternal life. The good thing is not, not material. The good thing is spiritual. The good thing is eternal. That is where we're headed. We are not just here and believing in something that we hope will work out. It has already been established and worked out in Calvary. We already, if we're born again, we already have our reservation for eternal life. That is the good thing. Now, this is a powerful thought that the Lord just run through my mind. It says the enemy of our soul seeks to torment us in our mind, our body, 
and in our soul. While our God turns his love upon us and his love perfects us. Our trials, our temptations, our torments, our disappointments, all are things to prove our faithfulness. Because he said, he that endureth to the end is he that hath eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in that enduring process. We have to be able to endure, and the only way is in the power of his word and believing that he will bring us through victorious. God's love is more powerful than the torment of the enemy. Now, as we look over the avenue of our life, I know some people say never look back, but as we look over the avenue of our life and we remember the struggles, has anybody here not had a struggle? You look, well, absolutely. So we look over our life. Sometimes, you know, we get so, I don't know the word for it, but we just, we just get everything, you know, we just live today. And we were, we're concerned about today and we have the anxieties of this day. But if we just take a minute and look back and remember those seasons that tormented us, I think everyone has them. And then we think, wow, he brought me out. He brought me out of that crisis, out of that circumstance. He established my goings. And look where I am in this moment. Now, maybe we're not where we want to be in this moment. But he brought us through those things. And he'll bring us through this moment. And he has one good thing for us. And that's eternal life. He's working his perfection in us. He's, he's building holiness in us. Our torment is a proving ground. And as long as we don't prove ourselves, we'll be in that position of torment. We'll worry, we'll have anxiety, we'll have stress until we stop, speak the word to ourselves, and believe that he is greater than our circumstances. There are biblical examples. Now, I think my life has had some really hard moments. And I'm sure your life has also had some hard moments. But let's read about the men and people of faith who had hard moments. And in light of their hard moments, we'll be able to say thank you, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11 Church, we are not alone in the torment. Torment's a hard word. You probably cry out to the Lord and say, Oh, Lord, help me. I'm so nervous. Or help me, Lord, I worry. But, you know, it is a torment of the enemy to, de- to derail us from trusting in God. So in Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, everybody knows that, 37 and 40. We read it this morning. They were stoned. Has anybody been stoned? We probably felt stoned. They were sown asunder. They were tempted, slain with the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins. And my kids keep telling me I need to get some new clothes. <laughs> you know, they wandered around in, the, in those things. They were destitute as anybody ever had a destitute moment. 
You know, you have to remember that destitute moment to appreciate the moment that you live in when you're not destitute. The thing is, this one thing we do, we're forgetting those evil things. And in those evil things, what we do is remember the goodness of God and the power of God. So they were destitute, they were afflicted, and guess what? Tormented. They, they didn't deserve that, the Bible says. They weren't worthy of that. You don't deserve it. You're not worthy of it. But nonetheless, the tempter is out to destroy us from our walk in God. And verse 39, it, it said they wandered in deserts and mountains and caves. We read all that. Verse 39, they all obtained a good report. Here's the excess of the message today. All these things they went through, but guess what? They had a good report. Look at what we've gone through. Look at our lives and see how we've managed to go through those times of torment. And we're sitting in God's house. We're worshiping God. And he has not failed us one time. The enemy's desire, and church, we need to get a hold of this. The enemy's desire is to torment us, to deceive us, to breed ill will toward us. And he can do it in its simplest form. He doesn't come at us with a machete. You know, he just puts a little thing on TV or he just puts a little thought in our mind because we looked across the church and somebody didn't smile at us. He just does a little dinky thing to bring stress and anxiety and, and a fussing spirit to us to breed ill will. But God's love is perfecting us. So anytime you go through a hurtful situation, anytime you're destitute in, in your responses to God and you feel that the wall, the heavens are shut up and you don't feel His presence, but you keep praying anyhow and you keep trusting anyhow, that's the thing that we have to do. This is the proving ground that God has called us to in this hour and in this generation to prove our love for Him because it is His love that surrounds us. The enemy's desire is to deceive us. Church, he's the deceiver of all things. But God's love wants to perfect us. You know, God spoke to the Israelites. He, he helped them time and time and time again. And hasn't he helped us time and time again? And then he spoke to him and he said, I, did, I allowed this to prove your faithfulness, to prove you. God is proving the church of Jesus Christ today. He's proving us. He wants us to endure and understand that he is a loving God. Our forefathers in the faith. Can you, can you, can you even have a movement in your spirit to think, that people went before us and suffered such great things that they might have their faith proved that they could have it written today to encourage us in our struggles. The greatest promise is Jesus Christ. I, I don't have to tell you that. But they didn't receive Jesus Christ. They, they still look for the promise. They'll still be in eternal life as the friends of God. But we'll be the redeemed saints. Of God. And God said he had something better for us than the Old Testament law. And what he had for us was the shed blood of Jesus. You know, one of the greatest torments of our life is the enemy torments us in our families. He torments us in our relationships. 
you know, he torments us in the places that hurt the most and that harass us the deepest. But the love of God is more powerful than any harassment of the enemy. Today, God wants to prove his love to us. And he wants us to prove our faithfulness to him. John the Beloved was the friend of Jesus. And he writes under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he says, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. And if we love one another, his love is perfected in us. So when we get in our trials and tribulations with one another and in relationships and family things, all those things, he's perfecting his love in us as we perfect our love toward one another. Hereby we know that he dwells in us, you know, if, if he can perfect us, church. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of perfection. And I want to be perfected. I don't want the struggles. I don't want the torment. I want to be perfected. But it's painful. And in moments of torment, we have to remember God's word because his word is our strength and our power for the moment. And our suffering proves us and and perfects us. And it happens through the power of knowing God's word. 1 John 2 says, Whosoever keepeth God's word, In him verily is the love of God perfected. I watched a television uh, church program, powerful program. I mean, as far as the eye could see, there was people. And, and And there was an anointing in the place. And the person preached without three, just three words. They said three words, and then they preached for the whole time on TV until it ended, and they were still preaching. See, here's the thing. The power is not in me. It's not in the, te- in the messenger. It's in the word of God. It's in the power of his word. It's not, it's not the, the framework that it comes in. It is the true word of God. And it says, in him verily is the love perfected. Hereby we know that his love makes us perfect. Without the word of God, there's no perfection. You know, we can talk, we can build a sermon, we can say all kinds of nice things, we can say everything's lovely and God is love, and He is. But there's a sin issue, there's commandments that He asks us to keep, and there's things that He requires of us if we're born-again believing Christians. It's not enough to just say, I'm saved. You know, we have to be following after Him. We have to be working on perfecting our life. We cannot stay the same. We must grow in God. This is what's wrong with the church of Jesus Christ. In this day of hate and violence, we need to grow in Christ rather than be mesmerized by entertainment. This is not the day to be lax. This is the day to put on the whole armor of God. Oh, saints, these are the proving days. And it is more proving than it's ever been. Because God is looking for a people who will worship him in holiness and in the beautiness of who he is. And it doesn't matter. You go to the nations, they cry, they wail, they worship. 
You know, they don't have a time limit. We don't have a time limit here. But, but they just worship, worship, worship. You, you know, you get done and you say amen and, and you're exhausted from preaching and talking to them. And they're still worshiping. And Jesus said to Mary and Martha, he said, it's great, Martha, that you cooked the food. I'm sure he loved it and he ate it. But he said, Mary has chosen the perfect thing. There's one thing that I require and is that we sit at your feet and worship the Savior. Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 3, it says, Thou shalt remember, O church, listen to this. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these past years. I don't know about you, but I have to go back 79 years. You know, and I have to remember all the ways the Lord led me to this pulpit. And I remember the stresses and the anxieties and the torment in those days of my youth. You know, but the Bible says, Thou shalt remember all the ways the Lord thy God led thee. Thou shalt remember your past for a moment to thank God and to see that he proved you and brought you through and you're still serving him. That's the purpose. And he said, I brought this to humble thee. Oh, Jesus, the humbling hurts. He said, I did, this to, I did this to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart. When you go through this severe trial, I mean, it's not a little bitty thing, church. I'm talking about something severe. And I'm sure that you've had something severe in your life. You know, and God says, I want you to remember that severe moment and see that I brought you through and see what I did for you and see how I proved you. And I want to bring forth perfection in you because he's coming for a church what without spot or wrinkle. He said, I did this to humble thee, to prove thee. To know what was in your heart. Now, in the Old Testament, he was proving them by the law. In the New Testament, we don't have to prove nothing. Jesus proved it on the cross. So all we have to do is fall on our face and call on him to forgive us. And then we have to walk in his path. Church, there's a responsibility on the saints. A grave responsibility, and especially in this day. Now, verse 3 says, God humbled them. And he suffered them to hunger. But he fed them manna. You, you go through a hard place, but he will help you in that hard place. You know. And the Bible said there was a purpose for this. It says that he might make them. Or I could say that he might make us to know that man does not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God doth man live. Old Testament power. Uh, It says, you know, everything about the word of God is our power of life. I know you know that, but it's good to hear it again. It's good to know that he says he humbled them. Have you been humbled in your life? Has there been a hunger in your life for God? Is there a hunger in your heart to do something 
greater than you did yesterday for God. You know, he wants to make us to know that we don't live by our jobs. We don't live by our income. We don't live by material things, but we live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God speaks to this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, and he says, this is Paul writing, but it's the word of God. And he says, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for which I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Is there something very special in your life that you have suffered the loss of? You know, But there is nothing so special as the love of Christ. And I know that as I look across the congregation this morning, I know there have been struggles. There have been torment. There have been hurtful things in our lives. We may have suffered the loss of things, loss of family, loss of mates, loss of material things. We have suffered loss. But is nothing to be compared with what Christ has suffered for us. Sometimes I think our suffering is allowed that we would remember the crucified life. Because that's who Christ is. And that's who we follow. The perfection of God. And, and this is a, a very important statement. I feel the Holy Spirit spoken to my heart. He said the perfection of God is the redeeming source of our life. And God wants to perform his perfection in us. Are we perfect? No, we are not perfect. The scripture says we follow after him and strive for that perfection. In this passage of scripture of Philippians at 9, it says we want to be found in him. Not having our own righteousness. And you know what that says to me? Not having your, our own way. I like my own way. No, oh, who doesn't? Do you? I, you know, I got family living with me and something's not where I put it. You know, where is it? I want it. That's where it belongs. This is my way. I want it. To be, had, to be found in him, not having our own way, our own righteousness. Because that's the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. That I might know him. I love the song she sang. It was perfect. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Now, everybody wants the power of his resurrection, but they forget the last part, the fellowship of his suffering. It says, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection. Not as though I have already attained, church, please hear. Either am I already perfect. This is what the Bible says. You know, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend Christ Jesus. So, he just wants us to follow after him. Every step we take behind him closely brings perfection in our life. 
So when the enemy torments us, we know that that torment is to prove us and to bring perfection in our life that we might honor God in all the circumstances of our life. Says, I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind. Now, what does he forget that's behind? Bitterness, evil thoughts, evil arguments, evil disappointments, all the evil things of the past. We forget them, but we remember the circumstances that he brought us through. We remember that we were destitute and all that works of darkness was against us, but we remember that in the midst of that we saw the light and we recognized that Christ in us was the light and he brought us through, if you want to say, the tunnel into the light of Christ. So now we look back and we say, that was a horrendous situation that occurred in my life. I don't remember all the circumstances or the bitterness or the hatred or the anxiety, but I do remember that he brought me through victoriously and I'm coming to Christ and I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Count myself to not apprehended, but this one thing I do, I forget the bad things. You know, and I reach forth into the things of God and I press toward what? The prize of the calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to say to the church this morning, in our struggles and in our weakness, God's word says in Deuteronomy 32.4, he is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, He's a God of truth, and he's just, and he's right. And he will bring us through. 2 Samuel 22, 31. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is our buckler, or he is our shield. He shields us from the works of darkness. When we trust in him. See, he doesn't stand there shielding you unless you put your shield of trust up. Then he shields you. Psalm 138.8, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. So this morning's message is this. Torment versus perfection. Everyone suffers torment at some time. And everyone can use it as a proving ground to be perfected in Christ. Church, in this day when evil is so rampant, we have to be a shining light. If we're not the light, we have failed God. So the Bible says, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And, you know, uh, it's hard to have perfect peace in the midst of your struggle because the struggle gets bigger than the peace that you have. But, church, if you know the word of God, 
if you can stand in your struggle and say, Lord, I know that you will give me perfect peace, that you will strengthen me, that you will bring me through because back there you brought me through and back there you did this for me and now I know that you're even more powerful in my life because I've served you longer, I love you more and I pursue you with all my heart. God is looking for a people in this hour. I hear the song of the Sunday school, God is, is foreordained this day. Deborah sang and she said, Praise ye the Lord. For avenging Israel. I say praise ye the Lord for avenging us. She said, I even I will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord, to the God of Israel who delivers me. And I add my own words from my battles. It's funny because I drew a scripture this morning in uh, pre-church. And the very same scripture is the title of Sunday School, The Righteous Cry, and the Lord Hears. And he delivers them out of their troubles. But the righteous are the ones that do the way of the Lord, right? We cannot have our own way, but we must do the way of the Lord. So I'm going to say to the church today, the next time the enemy wiggles that little thorn in your flesh you just stand up to him and let him know that he's only proven the perfection of God in you and church we cannot stay the same we must grow we must move forward and sometimes we get complacent you know we just go to church we serve God we love God you know but we are in the world more than we're in the church. And, and when you have to work, you're in the world more than, you're, more than in the church. And sometimes we retire and we still find that we're still busy. You know. But God is perfecting us in this hour that we can rise a standard against the evil of our day. Now I'm going to ask this question in closing. You know, If they said you couldn't worship the Lord in our country... What would you do? Because, listen, there's countries they cannot. We have smuggled Bibles into places. Now we think that's far away. It's not far away. The wrong person in government will squelch the taxes for our churches. They'll squelch all of our religious freedoms. They'll do all sorts of things. With that day comes, can we be perfected? And can we be proven that we are the true saints of God? Are we willing to be martyred for the cause of Christ? Freedom is being relinquished little by little by little. But God, now, church, don't go away discouraged. God is perfecting us for eternal life. Eternal life in Him. So, The next time you feel the needle, you say, I don't receive that torment. Use the word, the powerful, hot word. I don't receive that torment, but God perfect me. Strengthen me. Let me grow in you. And let me be a recipient of the proving ground that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of your word. It helps me. I pray that it helps your people. God, when we cry unto you, you will deliver us. 
Israel cried so many times and so many times you answered them. And now you have given us a redeemer. I pray for my people today, O oh God, as they are harassed by the enemy, that you will strengthen us, Father, that we can stand strong in the face of the enemy and that we can grow in the power of your grace. I pray for the healing touch in this body today. In Jesus' name we ask it.